Hi, Julie. Hi, Vicky. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you, my dear? I'm I'm great, thanks. Nice sunny day today. Yes, isn't it? Makes a change. Yeah. We've had some yeah. horrible weather. We have. Well, a big a big welcome to the podcast. I'm really happy to have you on. I know we've been kind of discussing this for a while, and uh, now we're here doing it. Well, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. I think we'll start with how you and I met, and I, I think it would have been via um, the Tea and Coffee Trans Network, which is run by uh, Sammy and Jason. Indeed, yes. That would have been probably, I guess it would have been May or June of last year. Um, it would have been about then, yeah, yeah. So I've, are you involved with quite a few trans groups? Well, yeah, apart from tea and coffee, uh, I'm also involved with uh, another regular group, TGIF, uh, which I, I, we meet every Friday, hence the title. Um, that's uh, run by my friend Petra. Uh, we've become friends. We were introduced uh, through my other group, uh, which is called Oasis in Norfolk. And um, they have been very much an oasis for me because, um, as I'm sure you're aware, there are lots of transgender resources in most major towns these days, and certain yeah. ones in particular, um, Leeds, Bristol, Manchester, etc., and of course London. Um, but out here in the sticks, we're not quite so well served. Uh, I had previously tried to find uh, a support group about mm, two years earlier, in fact, and uh, I'd written off to them in hopes, heard nothing back from them, hadn't been able to find any other local support. Uh, and then uh, through an interesting um, turn of circumstances, I was looking at, at an American transgender website and they had a section called International Links. Uh, I clicked through it and I found one that said Norfolk and I thought, oh, I bet it's Norfolk, Virginia. Yeah, I was gonna say, Norfolk, yeah. Virginia, sure. Uh, I clicked on it and more details opened up and it said based in Norwich, UK. I thought, wow, perfect. So I wrote off to their email address and literally 24 hours later, I heard back from lovely lady, Becky Louise, uh, who's one of the moderators. Uh, and she wanted to know more about me and invite me to meetings. Uh, the meetings have to be virtual now and we hold them once a month as they did before but at, uh, previously they used to meet in St George's Hall in Norwich. I'm not able to do that now because of the Covid restrictions. Uh, however, as a result of going online, the membership has actually grown because we've now got members right outside Norfolk as well and even across the continent and to America. That seems to be a very common thing with a lot of these groups. Since Absolutely. COVID, they've all gone online and they've we, all kind of spread really, across the world. Yeah. It's, it's quite interesting how that's happened. It is marvellous. And it's a wonderful resource for people because you can feel very, very isolated anyway with the current restrictions and being trans as well all the more so uh, and of course the the suicide rate in the trans population is 48 percent above the, the normal adult I know. it's horrendous isn't it it really is and without that kind of online support it could be a lot worse um i yeah. know many people who it's been a lifeline for a complete lifeline uh and um i'll let them tell their own story rather than tell it for them but at, uh, as i said they it's been uh, a lifeline to me as well 
um, once I found Oasis, uh, I uh, made contact through Becky. I wrote in a little bit of an introduction about myself and the number of uh, replies that I had from existing members sharing their stories and asking me more about myself, it felt very warm right away. Uh, and I, I felt that I had found a community. I'd found somewhere to belong, which was wonderful. Because of course, um, when you are trans, you can feel isolated even without the kind of restrictions we have now, because you have the feeling initially you're the only one. Yeah. Yeah, um, or if you're not the only one, they're few and far between. And when you make contact with a proper support group, you find out just how many <clears> hundreds <throat> and thousands of people there are who share your problems, your worries, your issues. Yep, and yep. it's wonderfully inclusive. Yeah, and I've, I've met loads of really nice, supportive, extremely friendly people in all the groups I've been involved with. You know, it really is a really, you know, great group of people, very supportive. Indeed. Always willing to help. Yeah. And my, my next move after that, uh, I made contract act with Serena, uh, who is my local contact and my mentor. Uh, we agreed to meet face to face, those socially distanced. Uh, and we did that at uh, back in August. And it was an interesting meeting. It was the first time I had really gone out properly to meet somebody face to face who was transgender. And it was a very interesting experience because of that. Um, Serena's older than me and she obviously has far more experience of coming out and so forth, uh, because at that time I wasn't properly out. And uh, after our meeting, I decided that I would seek counselling and I found my counsellor through ASIS as well and she's local to me although we've only done our sessions online or on the telephone for obvious reasons. Um, Lorraine's been enormous help to me and she helped me deal with my feelings, uh, she helped me come to terms with who I really am. Uh, and I decided after talking with her that I couldn't go on living a, a dual uh, identity. It was simply too much strain for me. I had to be one person. Uh, and the person that I am is Julie. And I became totally certain that I had to go full time after my sessions with Lorraine. So um, that was really my turning point. That was my sliding doors moment. Yeah. Um, and I haven't looked back. I honestly haven't looked back. I've faced problems, as we all do, but I've had a great deal of acceptance and I've accepted myself, which is the most important thing of all, because living authentically and being yourself is a priceless gift. It's Everybody true. should have the courage to be themselves. Yeah. O Oasis is local to you and you live in Norwich. That's um, correct, isn't it? Well, I live in Norfolk. I don't live in Norwich. I'm about 45 miles from, uh, I'm sorry, I'm 45 miles from Norwich. Okay. Uh, um, but at, um, Oasis also has other, other contacts local to me. Uh, Serena just lives a, a little way away, only about a half an hour from me. Uh, and uh, some other friends uh, live in Kings Lynn, which is also about half an hour. 40. So your, your local area, I guess you would be classified as, is it southwest Norfolk? 
that? Um, yeah, West Norfolk, yes. West yes. Norfolk. The, the South West Norfolk constituency, but at, um, where I live has always been called West Norfolk. Right. Now that, that brings us on to another topic. Indeed. And you have some political ambitions, don't you? I do indeed, yes, yes. So, I, would you just like to explain what it, what it is you're trying to do? Well, um, of course, it, it's, um, it's be, it was a hot topic of conversation last year, uh, the proposed reforms to the Gender Recognition Act, oh, yes. which were originally introduced by Theresa May. Uh, when uh, she left power, things were left rather in limbo. Um, unfortunately, the person who was appointed as Minister for Women and Equality uh, is not a trans ally. Uh, and uh, that was, of course, Liz Truss, who is my local MP. Um, when I say local MP, I use the term loosely because she doesn't really have very much to do with the local area. Have you ever actually seen her in the local area? Uh, about once uh, when she was being interviewed on the television news. Um, that's the only time I've actually seen her anywhere near. I think she's one of those politicians which is appointed to an area because it's a, an easy win for the party. Indeed. And they don't, and they don't live there and they never go there. It's one, of those, exactly I think it's one of those cases. I don't think she's ever spent a night in the constituency, although she does have a £250,000 house here. Okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I don't think she's ever even occupied it, but we pay the mortgage interest on it. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, so, oh, um, no, as I say, she's um, she's an absentee uh, landlord as far as being an MP is concerned. Um, we have many local issues which are not being addressed and probably won't be unless we have truly local representation. Um, when the residence rule was introduced uh, originally, and it was introduced by the Labour Party originally, uh, it was to make sure that people were represented by an MP who was truly representative of the local area. Uh, it's since been, uh, shall we say, a, uh, bastardized because uh, they've now decided that as long as you have a house in the area, that's good enough. So they can just parachute anybody in. That was something which was an interpretation based on it by the Conservative government yeah. and since gained royal assent, unfortunately. Their argument was that it was reducing the quality of MPs, which I think is a appalling thing to state. That's a, that's a terrible statement. Really, it is. They're, they're saying that, oh, well, if you're a local MP, you've no experience. Yeah, you've, you've you, yeah. you can only have the ones we send to you because we know what we're doing. Precisely. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, that's that's right. very much a, a nannying approach, which I don't agree with. Yeah. There's a, a huge amount of talent out there. There's lots of very interesting and erudite people, many of whom I've met through my networks uh, and through other other networks not connected with transgender. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn and various other forums, Quora uh, uh, and so forth. And there are an enormous number of people who are not simply soapbox occupants. They are serious people with serious policies and they would make good MPs, um, but they find it difficult to break in in their local area because of the cost of raising funds, getting f uh, publicity, etc., etc. Uh, I mean, running a campaign now to be successful in lots of areas can cost you as much as £36,000. Yes. 
um, you know, and they, they raised the, uh, the deposit to £500 because they said they only wanted people who are serious. Well, if you're prepared to spend between ten and £36,000, uh, yeah, I'd yeah. say you're pretty serious. Yeah, the £500 uh, seems a bit ridiculous at that point. Yeah, so again, that, that's fallacious and something else that was brought in by the, the former uh, Conservative government under Cameron. Mm. Um, it's one of the bones of contention that they are limiting people's ability to stand for their local area again because they, they really want to maintain the status quo and just have their approved candidates um, to be a, a candidate you actually only need 10 nominations from within your local electorate um, I think probably with my public profile, um, I can probably find five or six thousand people who are prepared to nominate me. Um, and um, I'm certainly looking at that as a possible way of fundraising as well, literally yeah, doing yeah. you know, fans or a crowd a crowdfunding page of some kind. So um, as you get started, how what kind of investment are you looking at? Just to get the campaign going? How much would initially you need? I'm going to have to spend about eleven thousand pounds. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not sure if you can. Can you do fundraisers for political things? I'm sure do. you can. You there must be some rules around it, are there? To raise funds for a political campaign, yes. Yeah. Yes, and um, and you can have charitable status to do it as well. So that's right. something which I'm going to look into. I have a, a friend locally who uh, was an independent candidate in the last election uh, and obviously didn't get in, uh, but I'm going to tap him for advice. He's a lovely chap. Uh, and um, very much a local man. As a matter of fact, he lives to about out, out 350 yards up the road from me. Right. Uh, he's actually in my village. Uh, and um, I'm going to tap him for some advice. Uh, I also have other sources of advice. I've got contacts in the media and so forth. So I'm go going to be quite well supported when I get the ball rolling, I think. Now, the next election, correct me if I'm wrong, is about four years away. Yeah, May 2024, May the 2nd, uh, 2024. 2024, right. Yeah, that, that's uh, under the uh, Fixed Parliamentary Terms Act. Uh, so they, they have to hold the elections within that time. Um, otherwise, they're acting unconstitutionally. Theoretically, so could be sooner. Earlier. Yeah, but not likely because of the current situation yeah. with COVID. It's got not going to be practical to even carry out the count, never mind carry out the polling because you can't have people out on mass yeah. and you can't have people assembled on mass to carry out the count. And the law requires that the counts carried out in one secure location for e each uh, returning officer. So you can't do it uh, willy nilly in different places and have people on video link. It's simply not allowed. Yeah. Now, I really, I really love the irony of a trans woman going up against Liz Truss. I mean, that to me is a, an amazing thing. And can you imagine if you won? Oh, yes. It's that going would to be up. such a major story. I, I think I'm going to get quite a lot of publicity when I first reveal myself as well. Um, yeah, because I'm a transgender woman and I'm acting uh, as in the role of a candidate against uh, yeah. a, a noted anti-trans yes, absolutely i think that you know just that fact would get you a lot of press attention I'm during sure. your campaign and yeah. then if you were to win well yeah it would it would be an amazing i think it will probably catapult me um Certainly i'm would. going to get a lot of headlines i'm not going to be a nobody in the house um and probably a lot of people will want to who uh, um couple their wagon to my i i uh, train <laughs>
Yeah. Uh, do you have a strategy of how to beat Liz Truss? You know, you've you already mentioned that she's a kind of not present MP. I do indeed, yes. So, I mean, there, there's a really good example of how this was done a few years ago by Martin Bell, who used to be an ITV journalist, I believe. Indeed he, he was, yes. He ran for um, MP, I think it was in Tatton. In yeah, Cheshire. yeah, in in Cheshire, yes, yes, and he um, won with a huge majority. He but did. he stood, he stood as an independent. He stood entirely as an independent, and he campaigned entirely on local issues. Uh, he had had the um, the mindset of the local people because he was a local person. Uh, yeah. He was very much in touch with his community, as I am. Uh, and I'm intending to do the same thing that he did. I'm going to campaign on local issues and I'm going to be the best local representative MP that I can be. I will be the best constituency a woman they've ever had. Uh, I'm going to work to improve local infrastructure. I am going to work to improve the situation with local schools. I'm going to do everything I can to improve social care. I'm going to do all that I can for local business and commerce and I'm going to see that we have a true voice in Westminster uh, which we don't currently have. Uh, our issues are very much ignored. Uh, Norfolk is a vitally important county. Uh, we are a huge agricultural area. Arable farming is the primary money earner locally. Uh, those who don't work in agriculture directly normally work in food production or allied industries. Uh, even our local engineering is all concerned with uh, food manufacturing and food distribution. Um, we also have vast distribution networks which take our produce all over the country. Uh, without us, uh, Sainsbury's, Waitrose, Tesco's shelves would be empty um, because we're such an important growing area. But we are a very underfunded area. Uh, we have poor communication links, both electronic and also physical. Uh, our road network is groaning under the strain and doesn't get enough maintenance. Uh, we lost our rail link uh, with uh, the main rail hubs in Peterborough and Norwich uh, under Mr Beeching's uh, auspices uh, back in the 1960s. Um, however, the Strategic Rail Authority in an independent uh, inquiry uh, stated that we never should have lost our, our line because actually it was an important piece of infrastructure and it was needed in the area. Um, we did have a large local campaign going uh, organised to take on the running of the line. Uh, and uh, uh, Rail Track were even in favour of it at one time. Uh, but uh, ultimately, um, we were defeated by um, higher powers. Uh, and uh, it's, it's a great shame because it would be a huge shot in the arm for the area. And we did a lot of serious research, even looking into uh, locomotives and rolling stock. Uh, and we found a, a low cost solution with a light rail car, which was also capable of being a multi-unit train, uh, which is manufactured in the West Midlands, as a matter of fact. So it's entirely British manufactured and designed. And it would have been perfect for our needs and well within our budget that we were able to raise locally as well. Are you going to run as an independent or are you going to associate yourself with a, an existing political party? I'm still undecided on that. I think I might actually go with the independent angle rather than uh, coupling myself to any other party. 
Um, quite simply because I, I don't want to be tarnished um, with uh, certain things about our existing parties, um, yeah. politics uh, and um, their record on a variety of different things. Um, I know who I am and a lot of other people know who I am and they know the principles I stand for. Uh, and as I say, I want to put up my constituency first. I want us to uh, have a proper voice in Westminster and to do everything I can to improve the lives of ordinary people locally. One of the big problems I think with many of our um, supposed political representatives is they don't actually have any relevant experience. Um, that is to say, they don't know their areas. They've never had anything that you would equate with being an ordinary job. And because of this, they're not in touch with the needs of ordinary working people. Um, I have been in a variety of roles in the public and private sector. Uh, I've also been a small business person. Uh, uh, I've worked in, the, uh, in local authorities as a, a local government officer. I've worked with the police. Um, I've worked as an ordinary retail worker. Uh, so I have quite a font of knowledge and experience to back up, up my claims uh, to represent the local people because I am a local person and I understand their issues because they're my issues. Uh, and I think that's vastly important and a huge difference between me and everybody I'm going up against. Well, I mean, it sounds like you have a, a lot of um, you know, local experience you know the issues you've lived in the area your entire life so a strong you know a strong campaign based on local issues you know as an independent um mp i mean that sounds like a quite a strong case to me i, I think it could be a winning strategy to be honest with you uh, and um I think that I'm probably not likely to get much assistance from uh, one major political party uh, since I'd be going up against their candidate of choice. Um, yeah. but, oh, um, the only other party that's probably got much chance of winning locally wouldn't be my choice anyway. Uh, I think I can speak better as an independent. Um, I don't have to put up with uh, a three line whip on anything. I can vote exactly how I want to. Uh, whereas lots of MPs will want to vote against something, but won't yeah, because they'll yeah. be seen as rebels. Yeah. So they abstain. Um, well, I think abstaining from a vote personally is the wuss's way out. Really um, anything but a wuss. Um, I speak my mind and I speak for the people I'm representing and I will vote with my conscience and with their wishes, not with somebody else's party political agenda. Absolutely. Really, I mean, what you need is a good financial plan, really, don't you, to get you started? And then indeed, a campaign, some people to help you and off you go and you've got plenty of time. Yes, indeed, I have. Um, one of my good friends uh, has already pledged to support me and um, she has sufficient means to to get me off the ground. Uh, I have uh, other avenues which I'm going to pursue, uh, potential from um, uh, companies that I've worked with before. Uh, so, uh, And uh, they've already come out as trans allies. So from that point of view, I should be able to get some more support, which wouldn't necessarily be available to somebody else on a local basis. 
um, because of course, as well as speaking on local issues, I shall be speaking on trans issues and yeah. particularly wanting to improve healthcare provision, which is currently in a crisis situation, notwithstanding COVID. Um, the kind of waiting list that people are expected to put up with are ridiculous and um, they won't even discuss it. Uh, we are marginalised in Parliament. Um, they think that we're not what a force to be reckoned with. I, I suspect that um, when they carry out the census this year, they're going to find there's far more of us than they ever dreamed possible. Uh, and um, I would encourage anybody who is trans uh, to stand up and be recognised. Um, we do live in a democracy and it's certainly not a police state and you're not going to be penalised for saying who you are. Uh, indeed, we ha have uh, strong legislation in the Equality and Diversity Act that you can't be penalised in any way, shape or form. Anybody who tries to is in uh, serious hot water legally. Uh, so I would encourage everybody to stand up and be counted, because the more of us do, the less likely we are to be ignored, uh, since the one thing that political parties won't ignore is the potential for votes. The census is in March, I believe. Is that right? It is indeed, yes. Now, there's Just two right. questions, I believe. There's one question on um, sex, and trans people can answer that question based on how they identify. Mm -hmm. I have been informed, which is good. And there's a second question on gender identity, where you state what your gender identity is by writing it in the box. Indeed. So uh, that sounds that sounds good to me. Um, and yeah, the point you make about hopefully that, you know, gives us some proper data on numbers, it would be uh, yeah, very useful. Yeah, as I say, the, this is the, the thing, we've, we've been invisible for too long. Um, and yeah. all you ever hear about us is negative publicity, um, most of which is disinformation uh, distributed by people who simply don't accept anyone being trans. Uh, they want us to cease yeah, to yeah. exist. Um, whether they would go so far as to exterminate us, as uh, certain uh, people have been in the past, is debatable. But certainly uh, there is historical evidence for these things, and we can't allow ourselves to go down that route, uh, whether it be literally or physically, uh, so, uh, so, uh, or, uh, or metaphorically. We have to have a voice. We must be heard. Uh, we are not asking for anything special. We're not campaigning for special rights. We're campaigning for human rights. Well, it's equal rights. Equal yeah. rights and human rights. That's, that's, Absolutely. All, that's all it is. That is all it is. That is all it is. We're not asking for anything special. We just want to be recognised for who we are and be able to live our lives without fear. And that is a basic human right. Exactly. Yeah. Let's move on to your... Um, your transition story could you Indeed. just tell us you know when when did you first realize there was something not quite right with you and you know what age were you and how did how did that come about certainly yes well i knew from a very early age from six years old that i didn't fit um i simply wasn't into uh, the kind of rough games that boys were um my friends, my close friends were nearly all girls and I was treated as one of the gang. Um, honestly, you know, um, kids at that age are just accepting. Uh, they don't they don't ask questions. They don't, don't um, worry about out uh, details. Uh, you just are who you are and they, you, they want to be your friend. They want to be your friend. 
and I was fortunate to have some good friends and one in particular best friend uh, Nikki uh, she um, was amazing for me um, and uh, I I discovered a lot about myself very early on I just knew from my personality and from how I felt inside that I identified more with her than I did with uh, Lance that I knew and I tried dressing very very early on I tried on some of my sister's clothes she's several years my senior and um, she had no use for them they were stored away carefully in the attic uh, and uh, I, I tried on one of her dresses one day and looked at myself in a full-length mirror which we had in the attic and I just sort of posed and what I looked at myself and I saw the smile on my face and I just knew that was how I was supposed to look um, I'd been put into the wrong box by a, a short-sighted midwife, I think, uh, and uh, because of that, I was stuck. Uh, I didn't know anything about being transgender at the time. There wasn't even the language available to describe it. Um, I'd not even heard of a transvestite at that age, obviously. Mm. Um, through my life, uh, this did uh, develop in my mind and I continued to know that I didn't fit. I, I felt like a spectator to my life. I was living someone else's life, which didn't suit me on any level. Um, what as a real um, eye opener for me uh, was uh, when I was uh, 12 and 13 years old, I was at an all boys school and I, it was noted that I wasn't developing as they expected. Um, indeed, from the age of 12 onwards, I had breasts, um, natural ones, and they, they've been with me my whole life, of course. And this was, made me the um, butt of an awful lot of uh, jokes, practical and otherwise, and I was mercilessly bullied by some people who, frankly, if I met them today, I wouldn't have a, a civil word to say to them. Um, but they didn't beat me. Uh, I'm still a strong character and I've been able to live with those experiences and understand them and put them behind me. Something always that makes you different is always going to make you a target. I, I learned that later on. Uh, so it wasn't just that, uh, but it was a big element of it, of course. Um, as I say, I was, I was um, seen by a doctor on the basis that I might be intersex. Um, the results of their tests and examinations were never shared with me. And uh, my parents didn't talk about it uh, to me, although my mum did talk to my sister about it and she knew that I was intersex. So I still didn't have the evidence other than myself. Um, my body type and so on is not typically male and this has helped me enormously with my transition actually because I do look very feminine. Um, indeed when I was younger I was often mistaken for a girl without even trying <laughs> so, uh, so it, it seems amusing but it's absolutely genuine that did happen to me a number of occasions uh, even as an adolescent as well. Did you feel as though you were kind of forced into being male by society and family at that time? Indeed. Um, I was in a box and uh, I had to fight my way out of it. It, it, was a, it was a tough fight and I've still got the bruises to prove it. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that I did prevail. Um, it's taken a long while. Uh, 
Um, there have been various reasons, family reasons, personal reasons why I hadn't transitioned previously. Um, but once I made the decision to do so, it was like a, the weight of the world had been lifted off my shoulders. Um, I'd been dressing for a number of years, over 30, in fact, and not in a, a closet manner either. I was, I was going out and about by some strange quirk of fate. None of my friends or my family or any of my work colleagues knew anything about it, um, despite the fact that uh, it's a small town and um, lots of people know each other. And it's not unusual to see people when you're out and about shopping. But nonetheless, it didn't happen by some uh, curious turn of events. I didn't run into anybody until after I'd come out. Uh, so um, that, that's quite interesting as well to know. Uh, you spent you spent a, spent a long time not 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 really living in the closet because you just said you were you were going out. Indeed, but I it, was a, it was a secret from everybody in your family. It was a secret from everybody without me exactly keeping it a secret. <laughs> So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting you know I was secretive at home in as much as my neighbours didn't know of course uh, and um, I had to keep clothes and shoes and boots and things and um, makeup out of sight when anybody came round um, but that was my only secret keeping directly because yeah I'd get in my car and I'd go out and I'd go out shopping in town and um, just be me um, and uh you know, I, I did that for a very long while. Um, five years or more ago, I decided that I had to do something quite decisive. And what I did was I sought out, out um, a source of uh, hormones through the internet. Right. And um, looking for a safe solution, I came across something which was a, a phytoestrogen, a plant-based oestrogen. Uh, uh, which is almost bio-identical with naturally occurring human oestrogen. And it, it comes from a plant, uh, which, the extract of which is known as Peraria marifica. Uh, and uh, it, it's, uh, it's a root extract. Uh, it helped me enormously. Um, I, I'm, I'm 54 years of age now, and I had started to get menopause symptoms. Um, a friend of mine who's cisgendered told me that she took this product uh, because she uh, suffers with fibromyalgia and she's not able to take a normal HRT because it aggravates her condition seriously. Uh, so she took this plant-based estrogen and it relieved all of her symptoms. When I started taking it, it did exactly the same for me. Um, it also did something else, which it's uh, one of its noted points of a side effect, if you like, is that it encourages breast development. And it helped me to feel more like me and to gain more confidence. Um, also, my thinking process has changed. I've always had a, a female brain inside, but it didn't work quite properly on testosterone. Uh, and um, once I started to do that, I opened up as a person. Um, I was previously quite shy and withdrawn in lots of ways. Uh, I didn't really join uh, things. Once I started letting my real personality come through, I started joining clubs. I took up a musical instrument again, which is something which I tried a few times before without great success. Uh, and developed uh, a certain le a level of uh, um, proficiency on the ukulele, uh, playing a whole variety of different and uh, different musical genre. 
uh, and singing in choir as well as a solo. Uh, I started performing in local clubs at open mic nights and I, I really opened up as a person. This is a um, really interesting thing you're talking about now because I've, I've noticed doing these podcasts, a lot of people have the same issue where when they were, you know, going through that period of maybe living in the closet or keeping things secret, you know, leading a double life, suppressing the male aspects of themselves. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's when, when, that, when, when that all gets lifted, people start developing into all these amazing different um, hobbies and interests and joining things. And, you know, it's, um, it's, it's like a, a release of it is. It's like yeah. a bird uncaged, isn't it? Yeah. Or, or a butterfly uh, pupating. Yeah, it's, um, it's a very common theme I keep hearing. Indeed. I, I've heard it from many friends and, uh, and acquaintances as well. Um, there's so much commonality between so many of our stories. They differ as well, of course. Um, but yes, you, you do. You blossom as a person. And I was told when I when I approached my support network, Oasis, uh, and I saw all my friend Serena, for the first time and we are friends now um she said when you find the courage to do it you'll wonder why you waited Absolutely. once you do it you will blossom as a person yeah. and your life will be incredible um and that's very much what i've found uh my brain fires on all cylinders now i've always been quite an intelligent person um but now my emotional intelligence is engaged as well and i'm a whole person and it makes such a difference to personal relationships it makes such a difference to working relationships uh it's it's just like a rebirth to be honest with you vicky has that uh, been more pronounced since you since you went full time last year Absolutely, yes. Um, when I came out, out in August, it's made such a difference to my life. Now, everybody knows I have nobody to keep secrets from. I'm totally relaxed and at home with myself as a woman, uh, and I couldn't be happier about it. It's the biggest thing I've done in my life and the best decision that I ever took. Yeah. Um, being trans isn't a choice, but how you handle it is. Um, I yeah, want the suppression all those years of suppression indeed it, yes. you know that is that is really a very damaging thing that we I think most of us who are transgender have done to some degree indeed years. you know especially people who transition late in life they've probably been doing this for decades absolutely I mean so, you that, know it makes you wonder yeah you know what what damage has all that Suppression it, it, well, you know, you you um you could get into serious uh, neuroses and even yeah. psychosis over these kinds of things. You know, losing the real you. Uh, it, it's a, it's an interesting point to note, actually. I and mean, here's here's a little potted uh, quiz for you. Um, could you uh, lie professionally uh, and maintain the lie unbroken for a period of years? Could you? lie to someone close to you and keep them entirely in the dark about who you really are could you live with the strain of having a dual identity and living two totally separate lives mm. if you can answer yes to one of these questions you could be a good candidate for the secret service you could also be very successful as a transgender person yeah. i was just about to say we should all have 
you know, applied to uh, MI5 or something. Indeed, some of us did. <laughs> <laughs> did uh, you ever? Did you ever find out from the doctor about your um, being intersexed? Did, did you ever get that question? Unfortunately, my GP didn't have complete information due to the age of my medical records from when I was a child. Uh, they'd been shredded, and mm. only some of the information was transferred onto the electronic record. And is that not something that you could resolve now? Uh, all it said is that the results of the tests were inconclusive. Right. And how do they how do they actually test for that? Well, it, 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 uh, it's a physical examination. Uh, on the physical examination, yes, they agreed with my school physician that I wasn't developing uh, my uh, secondary sexual characteristics along classically male lines. Um, one thing in particular, my voice didn't break and still hasn't properly. Um, I did um, uh, did a lot of work on that had to uh, gain a, a credible baritone tenor voice and I've sung as such in choir. Uh, but I'm actually a contralto. I, I have a much, much wider range. And um, speaking in a slightly higher pitch is no difficulty to me at all. Um, also, many other things. Uh, I can control my larynx in ways that other people don't, simply because I understand it is an instrument. Uh, but yes, as a, um, the, the tests that they do, apart from physical examination, they carry out blood tests. Yeah. And what they do is they do what's called a karyotype test. That is to say, they check what your chromosomal makeup is in your DNA. Yeah. Uh, so obviously we understand, and the classic situation is if you're XY, then you're male. If you're XX, you're female. However, uh, there is a condition, uh, several conditions, but one in particular, which is my, uh, likely to be my condition, known as Kleinfelter syndrome, named after the American doctor who first discovered it and named it. Uh, in Kleinfelter's, what you have is uh, two X chromosomes and one Y, but there are also lots of variations on this where one of your X chromosomes may be missing a leg. Uh, so uh, in that situation, you don't develop as a true hermaphrodite with the genitals uh, of both uh, physical sexes. You're a halfway house. Uh, so you get people like me who might appear to be uh, nominally male, but actually female inside. And um, we tend to have certain characteristics. Uh, we tend to be long in the body, have uh, much uh, longer willowy arms, uh, legs as well. Uh, we tend to have uh, less than classically square masculine shape. Uh, and uh, most of us tend to have breast development and not have any visible Adam's apple. Mm. Um, and talking to lots of people who are intersex or who believe <clears throat> they're intersex, these characteristics are quite common. Um, as I say, also, it, of course, affects you uh, psychologically. And I never felt that I fixed, that fitted the male profile. Um, I was able to play the part superficially uh, and well enough to fool people for many, many years, including my work colleagues in my present employment, where I've been over 20 years. Um, none of them had an inkling, uh, um, which is um, quite a, a, an astonishing situation when you think about it, yeah, uh, really. when you're working with people or uh, in close proximity for such a long time. Um, but no, none of them had an inkling. But when I came out, 
uh, and I did that over a relatively short time period and I finally did it. Um, I, I actually decided I was going to transition on the 8th of August and that was my first day out and proud. Uh, following my counselling session, um, I came out first of all to my hairstylist. Um, it probably speaks volumes that I've had a lady's hairstylist for over 30 years, not, not, not gone to a barber. Uh, and uh, Hayley, as is the case with most people's hairdressers, is uh, been a friend and confidant for most yeah. of that time. Um, when I revealed myself to her, uh, she uh, came running across the room and hugged me like, like I was a long lost friend or relative. Um, <laughs> she was absolutely thrilled for me and still is. Uh, and, uh, and she said, understandably, we're going to have so much fun with your hair now. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Customer for life. Indeed, yes. Uh, and a friend for life as well. We're besties. Uh, and uh, she wanted to take a selfie with me straight away. Uh, and uh, when I uh, came out at work, I sent them this photograph. Uh, I sent it to my, my line manager, who was most supportive. Um, I had uh, a, a two week period of, of leave uh, whilst they were telling everybody on a one to one basis and each day as they were telling more people, I would check to find out, out if everybody on shift had been informed and then turn up as myself in my own clothes. Uh, usually in a skirt or a dress uh, and uh, I'd show up at work and introduce myself around and I had enormous uh, acceptance and welcome from people. Um, again my friend Suzanne, she, uh, I thought she was going to leap over her checkout counter and, and, and jump on me. She didn't quite do that but she, she did come um, and hug me. Just for, the, um, just for the listeners benefit, you, you work for a major hardware store I do indeed, yes, and yes. I, I've been something of a guru there for several years. Um, and you're a specialist in one of the departments? I oh, in, in, in quite a few departments. I work right. across the store. My particular specialisation is electrical, but, but um, I have a huge amount of knowledge of, of um, construction te techniques, uh, decorative techniques and all kinds of things. And um, um, plumbing and so forth and I've, I've done these things for a job uh, so I'm not just uh, not just book learned you might say I do actually have city and guilds qualifications in these in these uh, many of these fields. And your, your company has been totally accepting of your transition? They have indeed they were very very supportive and my local management were marvellous and my colleagues well I'm uh, when I say that we're um, a largely female workforce as many retail establishments are yeah um, I'm one of the girls, I'm accepted, and I can't think of any finer gift than to be accepted for being yourself. Mm. Uh, and um, it happened so relatively quickly, it's quite astonishing, actually. I, I came out on the 8th of August, and on the 22nd of August, I was back at work in a skirt, uh, which was part of company uniform, uh, with a name badge that said Julie. Well, yeah, and I was me. Um, and I was already recorded on all the payroll and personal record files as a female member of staff with all rights and privileges according. Yeah, I mean, it's great how some of these companies, larger companies like yours and mine, you know, have, you know, got to grips with this and they, you know, they have all these great policies in place now to, you know, to deal with transgender. It is wonderful. Um, to find acceptance in your workplace is a huge thing because 
when you think that most of us spend about two thirds of our lives at work, uh, it's a vast part of your or, um, your um, life and your day to day existence. Yeah. Um, have you been involved with any of your? Does your company have kind of employee resource groups for LGBT? Um, we do employees? indeed. We have an LGBTQI uh, um, uh, forum uh, on our company intranet. Yeah. Um, when I introduced myself there, um, 24 hours later, I had 45 replies from people welcoming a bit board. Well, that's good. Um, yes, and I've been able to give back as well because um, somebody else uh, buoyed up, up by my story uh, on the intranet, on the forum, uh, decided to come out. Oh, well. uh, uh, so another transgender woman has come out since I transitioned because yeah. I transitioned and she's written to me for advice. Well, this is the, this is the joy of these um, organizations, ERGs in companies, you know, people see them and they can see that, okay, that person transitioned, nothing bad happened. Mm -hmm. So, so I can, I can come out of the closet now too. I mean, this, this has happened at my place of work. It's happened at many other people's places of work yeah. that I've heard of. And even so, on I mean, the yeah. department as well. Um, uh, as I say, one of the departments I worked on is the, the showrooms, I worked as a kitchen bathroom designer. And of course, doing that, you have your own particular clientele. You have people who you deal yeah. with on a regular basis, especially trade customers. How did they uh, react to it? Well, that's that's a story in itself. Um, one of my I, uh, customers, Bob, uh, he's he's known as Bob the Builder, and we. Well, always, I was going to say, it must be Bob yeah. the Builder. Yeah, we always we always used to used to hum the song when he came in, or even sing it, and he'd um, he'd uh, make uh, various suggestions to us as he did. <laughs> Uh, he came in and I was sat at my desk. He couldn't see me from except from behind. And I was sitting down so he couldn't see what I was wearing properly. Um, the rest of our uniform is, is fairly standard, as I'm sure you'd understand. Yeah. Um, he came in and he said, oh, hello, John. He said, is that your lockdown haircut? Because COVID regulations are already fully enforced by this stage. Uh, and I said, well, actually, Bob, I've been trying to get hold of you. There's a bit more to it than that. And I, I stood up and he saw me standing there in my black pencil skirt, <laughs> my tights. And the penny uh, yeah, and his jaw dropped and he said the, the standard thing, my, you've changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he said, he said, and I'll tell you what, he said, he, he said, I've got to say, he said, you look bloody good, love. <laughs> well, I mean, you couldn't much, ask much better than that, could you? Really? Not really. No, no, that was wonderful. And again, I've had so much acceptance from my customers. Um, nobody's really had a problem with it. Everybody is either um, just basically accepting and, you know, not not concerned or welcoming. And um, the number of uh, uh, women, cisgendered women, who have been so welcoming to me, um, you wonder when you read these stories about uh, women being violently opposed to trans women and so on, the, the stuff that's been put about by the trans exclusionary radical feminists. Yeah, most of that uh, nonsense is online. It's on Twitter and Facebook. It's not indeed, doesn't really exist yes. in the real world. No, it really doesn't. Um, I've got so many good friends who are girls, naturally born girls, and they are 
totally supportive. Yeah. Uh, I've been invited to join the local WI, uh, who are a very inclusive yeah. organisation. They accept all women and have said so before. And our, our mutual friend Petra has been doing some great work with Indeed, women. she's been doing some you? talks for them, and I plan yeah. to do the same kind of thing in my yeah. area. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she's been very, very well received because uh, a lot of the issues around, around transgender is that people just don't know anyone who's transgender, or if they do, they're not aware of it. Um, yeah, it's, it's very much a, a learning curve for people when they find out. You know. Indeed, and um, it's, it's mostly fear through ignorance in lots of cases because yeah. we're just people. At the end Normal of the people. day, we are just people. Normal people doing boring things, just like everybody else. Absolutely. We just have a certain special thing about us, you yeah. know. Uh, as um, this is uh, this is to take a little little line from um, uh, um, uh, an old uh, comedy film, uh, which was uh, starring the late great Dick Emery, who of course had the famous character that he used to play, Mandy, who was surprisingly believable. It has to be said. <laughs> Uh, and um, there's a line in this film where she's uh, she's um, masquerading as a, a WPC uh, get to in order to get into training school because she wants to get access to, to someone who's got a Swiss bank account number tattooed on their thigh who's at the co at the training college um <clears throat> and uh, she uh, she's standing in front of the inspector who's responsible for the college and she says well it's very unusual to ha have uh, an experienced uh, officer uh, come and join a, a new intake uh, for a refresher course uh, your inspector obviously he believes you have a little something extra the other girls don't have she said she may well be right ma'am <laughs> Yeah. Typical 1970s humour. <laughs> and um, certainly I have a little something extra, but uh, it doesn't influence who I am inside. I am who I am. I'm Julie. Yeah. There's nothing to see here. I'm, I'm a girl about town and I'll strap my stuff and I'll, I'll live my life and I'll be me. Absolutely. Absolutely open and genuine about everything. I have no secrets. Uh, I'm out and proud, and I'm pleased to be. Yeah, it's the best Absolutely. thing I've done in my entire life so far. How has your experience been with the NHS, with your GP? I mean, have you been through that process of going to GP and getting a referral to a GIC, and then having to? wait for several years for anything to happen indeed i have yes and my gp has been absolutely amazing he did initially refer me to the nottingham gender identity clinic right. yeah. um they are not currently giving any indication as to what their waiting time is um they I are it's 30 months it's uh, something oh, over no. that i think now yes yeah. Um, and uh, there's been no contact from them apart from an initial letter acknowledging that they'd received my referral and I was on the waiting list. And how long have you been on that list now? Uh, well, that would be since August because uh, I okay, came so you... to my GP the same week as I came out to my hairdresser. Um, he... so about, about seven months. About that, yes. Yeah, yes. So you've still um, got a long, a long way to go with that one. Oh, yes. Well, there's people who've been on waiting this three years and told that they're, uh, they're going to be waiting another two years. Have you ever uh, considered, you know, taking, uh, going private to a private clinic while you're waiting? I or you, would. Or do you have one of those GPs that 
is prepared to you know support you with prescriptions and hormones and everything i i am fortunate that my gp is prepared to give me a a, a bridging prescription okay um when i went back to him and told him what had happened with the gic yeah uh, and I said, I simply can't exist like this. And I said, I'm going to be uh, a mental case if I, I try and carry on living like this without some support. Um, because their idea seems to be, oh, we'll go away and think about it five years and then we'll talk to you if you're still interested. Is this the same that GP from that's... childhood days? He, um, well, not quite from childhood days, but he's been my doctor of my family doctor over 30 years. Okay. And I have absolute faith and trust in him. He's an amazing guy. I've told him he's a prince among men and one of the finest doctors I've ever known. So you um, get your prescriptions and blood tests and everything that you would need? I do indeed, yes, yes. Um, the only thing that we don't get is specialist endocrinological uh, support because that has to come through the GIC. Well, the GPs are allowed to go and request information from uh, endocrinologists. They, 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 could, they, could, they could approach nottingham and get that support if they need it indeed that's exactly what he's doing um basically um the way things operate uh they're the gatekeepers and they yeah. don't expect gps to be much involved until they've given a formal diagnosis my doctor is at variance with that he's um, a very much a, a go-ahead person um i'm his uh fifth transgender patient right, so he knows what you're doing in the practice at the moment and although he's a non-specialist he's done his best to become one yeah. uh, and his first concern is and always has been patient care um, they have a pastoral approach in the practice uh, which goes back many generations um, the the first doctor there uh, was uh, uh, was um, very much a social reformer uh, even before the NHS existed and the whole ethos of that has gone through them like a, a writing through a stick of rock ever since they are an extraordinary bunch of people um, they're recognized as a, a fun a, a, a trend a, a, um, a training practice uh, they were the one of the first GP fund holding practices in, in the Stanglia and they've been behind many initiatives and they continue to be including uh, local GP accident scheme, uh, MAGPAS, Mid-Anglia GP accident scheme, which exists to train uh, physicians to be frontline emergency medics. Uh, and they've, uh, they've saved an awful lot of lives by doing that. We also have local paramedics based at our surgery, and that was something which was brought about by our practice as well. I wish all GP surgeries were as good as the one that your sounds oh yes i i put them up for an award they uh, yeah. they just are amazing and yes my doctor uh, he went to the gic and he harried them for want of a better word well, that's and, and got a prescribing plan from them um which is what i'm on now uh, yeah. so i'm on hrt i'm on a testosterone blocker and feeling very very good on it um, I do experience the usual kind of mood swings that, that uh, natural uh, women do. I have a 28 day cycle, um, but actually this has made me even more accepted at work uh, um, but amongst my friends there uh, because I go through the same kind of thing that they do every month yeah. and they're nothing but supportive of me. Uh, and um, it definitely makes me feel more, more one of the gang. Well, it's great to hear that you're getting, you know, full support from your GP and everything's 
Indeed. Uh, Without them, I'd be lost because, frankly, the the cost of private care is prohibitively... It's quite expensive, yeah. Unless you have independent means, uh, you're in a very well-paid job or you have a very well-paid business. Yeah, I Uh, mean, the the only drawback with the NHS at the moment with these horrendous waiting times is that, you know, by the time you get there and you go through their process... You know, if you're looking to have surgery at some point in the future, you know, you're probably looking at five to six years from now. Indeed, yeah. That's the thing to consider. When you're when you're my age already, yeah. that's a big thing. You know, you're not in twenties anymore. You don't have the luxury of time. No, yeah, time is ticking away, isn't it? It is indeed. Yes, yes. How's your family been? My family have been supportive. Um, and when I tell you that I had to tell my sister, my closest relative, over the telephone because she is shielding because oh, of because her. This was during COVID times, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, she initially went quiet and, and I said, You are are you still there? So are you all right? She said, Yes. She said, um, she said, Ed. I'm just delighted that you finally come out. Right. So she already knew, obviously. <laughs> she said, we've known about your cross. She said, I knew you were intersex and we've known about your cross dressing for years. <laughs> despite you, despite the fact you thought you were keeping it secret. My supposedly elaborate secrecy. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> Maybe I wouldn't have been such a good candidate for the secret service after all. <laughs> But um, yeah, as I say, so uh, yeah, she was totally supportive of it. Um, my best friend Liz, uh, I've known her over thirty-five years, uh, and um, I, I've um, kind of been a, a surrogate at, uh, uncle to her daughters. Uh, and um, my my father was a, a surrogate granddad. They, we've been friends of the family for so so long. Um, when I told her again on the phone because they were shielding because her husband has pre-existing medical conditions and uh, he's on meds that make him more susceptible for anything that attacks your immune system. Uh, when I told her, she went quiet as well. And I said, you're right. She said, yes. She said, I'm trying to hold a laugh in. <laughs> and she said, I've known you all these years. She said, I thought I knew most of what there was to know about you. I didn't think there was anything you could say to make me speechless or, or helpless with laughter. She said, but I was wrong. Uh, and she said, in fact, she said, I'm laughing so hard and trying to hold it in so hard. She said, I'm going to have to go and change now. <laughs> <laughs> She'd had an oops moment. <laughs> We don't need to go into details. No. <laughs> she wouldn't mind me saying anyway. She's such a honey. Uh, talking, I love... talking about oops moment, don't you have a toilet slash screwdriver story you need to tell? Me? I do indeed. Yes, yes. This is um this is actually to do when I was staying in a hotel many, many years ago uh, in my, my former life. Uh, and um, yeah, it's entitled Why I Never Go Into a Strange Bathroom Without a Screwdriver. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's quite amusing. I was um, uh, in, employed in my own business. I, I was uh, involved in video production and I did low budget commercial work, including promotional films. And I was making a film uh, up north for a, a company who manufacture and distribute uh, professional turf care machinery. 
And um, in the course of this, I had um, um, an engaging tour of various council depots, facilities, um, schools, playing fields, golf courses, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and this day I had been working uh, in probably one of the hottest days of the year. It would have been in about mid-June. Uh, and I'd been slogging around a golf course all day with over 45 kilos of video equipment because things weren't very portable back in the 80s uh, and professional video kit, it much less so. My camera weighed nearly 20 kilos uh, and was very heavy on battery usage. So I was carrying all of those as well, plus all my tapes and everything. So just for clarity, this is this is turf as in T-E-R-F. Indeed, T U R F. Yes, the U R F. As opposed now, to T R F. Yeah. The other kind of turfs need any caring for, as a matter of fact. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I I um, got back to my hotel um, a, a sweaty mess. Got up, got in the lift with all my kit. Got up, up to my room, which was on the fourth floor. It was the only one they had. Walked in. It was like an oven. Um, he had had the sun all afternoon. They hadn't op even opened a window. So I went and unlocked and slid up the uh, metal sash window straight away, let some heat out. Uh, my next priority was to go and get a shower, obviously. Um, so put all the kit down, plugged in my batteries to charge for the next day, uh, stripped off and went into the bathroom with my wash kit. Um, the door was um, a sliding pocket door, uh, which goes right back into the wall and just has a small handle on it, which is all that shows uh, when it's shut. It was on a spring return to stop steam getting into from the bathroom ensuite into the bedroom. So I had my shower, felt very much better for it, got out, uh, got dry, went over to open the door and then suffered one of those sliding door moments, in my case, with an actual sliding door. Uh, now, this type of door, as I say, is built into the wall. It slides back into its own cavity and you can't get at the other side of it. Right. Um, you normally access it by means of a small or handle, which uh, pulls to one side and releases the latch. Um, the difficulty was that I had the handle all right, but it was no longer attached to the door. It had come away in my hand when I got hold of it. Whoops. Um, now, uh, I, had I had any tools with me, I could have gone out of this situation, uh, but I didn't even have a screwdriver about my person. I had one in the other room uh, because I always carried a small tool kit when I was out filming in case I needed to fix something, my tripod or the camera. Um, door handles. In, not door handles, so it was in the other room. Uh, my cell phone was also in the other room, so that was two possible solutions that were no longer a solution. Um, the bathroom window was shut, and there was an, a, a small extractor fan in there, uh, so it didn't matter that that was closed when I went in. Um, the key for it, of course, was in the other room in the bedroom as well, because I'd used it to unlock the other window when I first came in, and it was still in there. So all you have at this point is just a towel, is that right? Uh, my towel and my wash kit. Right, okay. Now, being a fastidious individual, even then, I did have nail clippers in my kit. Um, the nail file attached to them wasn't long enough to be able to access the door handle mechanism and open that. So I then looked to my only other salvation, which was the window. Um, by means of my nail file, I managed to actually unscrew the window lock and get the window open. 
I looked outside and was greeted by the sight of a concrete parapet not much more than six inches wide. Um, <laughs> I'm on the fourth floor of the building, remember? Yeah, so that's not an option. Hmm. So um, I leaned out enough to see if I could see anybody and I shouted for help. Um, unfortunately, I was near quite a busy road and it was uh, before six o'clock in the evening and the road was busy. Uh, I decided that wasn't going to be an option. So I uh, girded my loins, as they say, um, secured my towel with a safety pin, uh, which I also had in my wash kit and clambered out onto the ledge. You didn't, and you didn't go out did, the window. I did. And I began to edge <laughs> along the ledge. Oh, no. Uh, because obviously I knew that my bedroom window was open, so if I could get round the corner of the building round to the bedroom window, I would have salvation. So how wide is the ledge that you're crawling along? It was about six and a half inches. Okay, and you're four floors up. Uh, four floors up. And I wasn't crawling, I was walking. Okay. Uh, like a tightrope walker, one foot in front of the other. <laughs> Sidling round. Try not to look down. Indeed, yes. Um, I was spied by the gate man at Sweet Factory across the road. Uh, and uh, he, he looked up and saw me and assumed the worst and called the fire brigade. <laughs> um, Bay duly arrived and an escape ladder was elevated up to me. Unfortunately, it was about out 15 feet too short. <laughs> From the top of the ladder, uh, uh, the the fireman was informing me from uh, 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 um, his uh, megaphone uh, that they'd sent for a turntable uh, ladder uh, from the next town, which would be about another 35 minutes. I told him that I was get, getting cramp and I was going to have to get in before 35 minutes or I was going to fall. Could you not reverse along the... Uh, it was more difficult to do that, actually, because I hadn't got room to turn around. I would okay, have had so you can to only go back. one way. Indeed, yes. Um, whilst he was talking to Umi, I, I put a foot forward whilst not looking down. Uh, I disturbed a sitting seagull on her nest. Um, she wasn't best pleased about this, and I, I then proceeded to act out a scene reminiscent of Hitchcock's The Birds. <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> I'd gathered quite a crowd by this stage okay, because the, the, um, the incoming and the outgoing shifts at the sweet factory were assembled a lot on the, the part of the pavement below watching me uh, after the, the, uh, the gateman had told them what was going on. So it, it might just as well have been a scene from a movie. <laughs> um, I managed to get past the seagull when she settled again uh, and uh, got round the corner of the building and sidled along until I got to the bedroom window uh, and clambered in, uh, whereupon I received a standing ovation from my assembled audience. <laughs> well, And that's why I never go into a strange bathroom without a screwdriver these yeah. days. Moral, moral of the story is always carry a screwdriver. <laughs> Maybe a sonic screwdriver is what you mean. <laughs> That would be the that would be the new solution, I suppose. Yes, or maybe a cordless one. Oh, that's a that's a that's a really good story. Did anybody catch this on film? 
no, this was prior to um, the Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, etc. being an item. Yeah, that would have made an amazing YouTube uh, video, wouldn't it? It would indeed. It would indeed. <laughs> I think it probably did get into the local paper at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. So, um, yeah, that was um, that was an interesting experience. When I related this to uh, one of my friends at work uh, some time later, uh, they looked at me and they said that would literally only happen to you. <laughs> so you have a reputation for this kind of thing, do you? Well, <laughs> I've been in some interesting situations, shall we say? I was in an interesting situation the sa uh, the next night at the same hotel, as a matter of fact. <laughs> I um I piled into the lift again to take my stuff up to my room. Um, on this occasion, I had another sliding door moment. Um, as I was going up, the lift stuck between floors. Oh, that's horrendous. That's one of my worst nightmares. Yeah, and I was 25 minutes past. They were hauling me up manually. And when the door was open, what did I see? It was the same fireman who was on the ladder the night before. <laughs> And he and he looked across at me and he said, "We don't give nectar points, you know." <laughs> Did he roll his eyes? Yeah, literally, when he opened the doors, he said, "Not you again. We don't give nectar points oh, if you use it." You know. <laughs> so, so you, were, I mean, that's almost like your moment of fame, isn't it? Have you had well, any other well, moments of fame? Uh, indeed, yes, yes. Um, again, this was concerning a local issue. I, I was um, involved on a training course um, under the auspices of the City and Guilds of London Institute. Um, this was back in the 80s, it had been about mm, 88, I should think. Uh, and um, the government, uh, in their infinite wisdom, uh, had decided to withdraw funding for vocational training for anybody who was over 25. It might even have been younger than that, but certainly they were looking to encourage youth rather than people retraining, which I, I thought was quite a, um, a blinkered view, to be honest, because a lot of youngsters in training don't pay too much attention. Um, and they're certainly not going to be in a position at the end of it, it to set up their own businesses. Whereas mature students uh, who already have life experience are probably far more likely to be working tradespeople and contributing to the local area and providing needed services. Um, nonetheless, they decided to withdraw the funding. Uh, as a result of this, our course was cancelled. Now, um, given that we were uh, um, uh, associated with a media skills unit, we decided that we would make a video about it. Um, we did this, uh, putting our case for why vocational courses were important. And we visited a number of other people who were affected, who were doing trade courses and so forth, uh, and made uh, a point of getting their views on tape. Um, we then came back, edited it all together, and we sent it off to the local television company. Um, this is um, Anglia Television. Uh, this resulted later uh, in uh, some of us being interviewed for the television news, um, for Anglia News and also for ITN. Oh, wow. 
so uh, I was actually interviewed on national television since I was chosen uh, to be spokesman uh, when they turned that up because everybody said that I would be best on camera, uh, the most confident speaker and so forth. Um, and it is something which I do have. I'm, I'm able to chat uh, to a camera and to an interviewer the same way as if I was just having a conversation with a friend. I, I don't even think about out it. See, this uh, is a sign. This is a sign, Julie. You know, you had your moment of fame back in it, the 80s. Indeed, my, my famous for 15 minutes. Yeah. And, you know, now, now somehow you need to work this story into your political ambitions. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, and I, I certainly will do. And um, certainly, I think my confident manner on camera and being interviewed is likely to help me with my ambitions. Oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, I had my 15 minutes of fame then. Yeah. Uh, and uh, as I say, I, I put my case across very well. Sadly, we didn't get it anywhere with the funding, um, but we did get some interest from the uh, local MP at the time. Uh, and uh, he did try to do what he could for us. Unfortunately, he couldn't do very much. So remember, when you're an MP and you, someone approaches you in a similar way? Indeed. You know I should be fighting their corner. Indeed, exactly. as I shall fight the corner for everybody in <clears> my constituency <throat> and in my county yeah. on a wider <clears throat> basis. Um, I intend to uh, address social injustice wherever I see it. Everybody should have a decent standard of living. Everybody yes. should have the right to a home. Uh, and um, indeed, at the moment, one of the major problems that we have around here is that we have too little social housing. Uh, it's almost impossible for youngsters to get a foot on the housing ladder because even affording deposits yeah, is uh, so ridiculous now yeah. because so many people moved into the area with deeper pockets yeah. uh, that it skewed the housing market entirely away from uh, local people. And it's a great shame. Um, basically, the only way anybody local can get a house is by inheritance around here. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a crying shame because the, it is a vibrant area. There is employment to be had. Yeah. Um, but the opportunities for housing are very limited unless you have a lot of money in the bank. Yeah. And that's something you don't have when you're starting out. However good you are at your job and how, however um, uh, you know, uh, many hours you're employed, you just don't have the money to spare. Talking of housing, how's your renovation project going? Well, it's still a work in progress. Um, I'm I'm currently renovating my kitchen. Uh, I shall be moving on to my bathroom, but before that can be done, I've got to address issues with my heating. Um, I currently have a gravity-fed system which requires a separate hot water cylinder. Um, once that's out of the way and I'm using uh, uh, alternative heating, I shall then be able to take down a non-supporting wall and extend my bathroom. Uh, so then I can have my dream bathroom with a corner bath, a walk-in shower, mm. uh, proper vanity units and everything as I want it. And a door that works with a good handle. And a door that works with a reliable handle, indeed. Yes, and it won't be a sliding one. You really, door. you really, Julie, you really have no excuses because you do work for a hardware store. So. Indeed, and uh, I'm I'm also very handy. I'm I'm very much a capable gal all around the house. Uh, and um, I don't do things on a DIY level, I do them on a professional level, which is why it sometimes takes me longer as well, because working full time, 
I don't have the time to allocate to my renovations that I'd like to have. Yeah. Um, and I shall have to address that at when I I'm, uh, get my campaign in full swing because I won't be able to work full time and I shall have to rely on other incomes. Uh, and um, I already have ideas for that app for developing online business as well. Uh, so um, when that's up and running, I shall also be using it as a blog, uh, talking about my ambitions. Yeah. And I also intend to do something like the, the thing that I did before when uh, we were interviewing people around other courses that were affected by the funding cut. Uh, and I shall go out and uh, interview local people about out their wants and needs and their issues, uh, which I'm already well aware of, but which I wish to bring into sharp focus for everyone else. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I shall then include those on my regular blog as well. Uh, so uh, together with that and uh, my social media presence, I hope to build a groundswell of support. And uh, when we actually come to the election, I hope that I'm going to have a lot of people who are all ready to put their, their cross in my, my box uh, without me having to do too much more campaigning. But I shall campaign, of course. Well, I wish you all the best with your campaign. It sounds like you're... You, you, you are getting everything organised there. Huh? I'm trying to get everything in train, Vicky, yes. Yeah. And is, is Mitzi going to uh, participate in your campaign? I'm sure she'll be putting in appearances many times. So. I did hear her meowing a few times. Yes, my cat can be very vocal when she wants to be. Um, yeah. She's just feeling a bit left out at the moment because she's in the other room. She's um, trying to get into your room. I could hear her meowing. Yes, indeed. She's got everything <laughs> she needs in her room, but uh, she's trying to get into this one because she's missing me. Uh, so she, she likes to have company, bless her. Yeah. They're nice cats, aren't they? Nice to have them. Yeah, I'm, I wouldn't be without her. I, I always say that life without cats isn't really life. Uh, and um, I would have a dog. Uh, I love dogs, but I, um, it's not fair to leave them on their own during the day. Um, a cat can manage as long as she knows you're coming home, uh, but a dog will fret and get upset. Yeah, not. cats don't really care, do they? They're just it's super not independent. Not in the same way. No, as long as, they're, as long as they're warm and safe and fed. Yeah, I'll just go to sleep and wait till you get home. And, yeah. at a regular time. Yeah. She only worries when I'm late home. Uh, if I'm not home when she's expecting me home, then she can get upset when I come in. That's because she wants a tea and you're not there, you see? No, she's always well catered for. I always leave her dry food and a plentiful supply of water, so she's never never going to go hungry. Uh, and I feed her just before I leave as well. She has her, has her wet food, um, so she's well looked after. Um, but, at, um, yeah, she misses me. That's the, that's the big thing. Well, you know, talking about cats and dogs it's come to that stage in the uh, podcast where you need to make a decision i'm going to go with the goat thank oh, you okay goat i was going to say goat cow or trumpet thump you're going with the goat okay any any reasons for the goat it's um, the most popular one everybody goes wow well, that's an interesting story behind that actually <laughs> Um, uh, when I, I, uh, I used to work on a farm, I was actually a stockman for a time. Oh, yeah. uh, and um, it was a small mixed farm. It was a small holding, basically. Uh, and one of my regular jobs was milking the goat. <laughs> well, there you go. Perfect choice. So I, I think I'm quite well uh, set to represent an agricultural area. I've got experience yeah. on the land. Um, I've um, worked in uh, commerce. I've worked in, in local uh, local uh, government. I've worked in uh, 
the private sector and I've run and my own business. So I, I think I'm quite well, well rounded as a person. Well, I'm going to give you two goats, Julie. Thank you. One for good luck with the, um, the MP project. So anyway, I mean, thank you for coming on. It's been, it's been fun having a chat. Thank talking you. About all your me as well. Amazing stories and things. I hope I've been interesting. You have. It's been great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Vicky. And hopefully we'll see you online soon on one of the other forums that we're on. Indeed, yes. Watch this space. Watch the space. Be around. We're all we're all rooting for your uh, ambitions. So Thank don't disappoint us. <laughs> I won't. I certainly won't. I'm working on it again this week. Yeah, great. Okay. I shall I shall sign us off there. Thank you very much. Catch you soon. Thank you. See you okay. soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.